Hello and welcome back to the Down to the Wire podcast. Wow, British Grand Prix, spicy. A lot of things happening this weekend. Um, as as we've said before, Jack is normally the uh, the notes master, but purely because there was so much happening, I I had to get a load of stuff down, um, just so I could remember everything. Um, with everything that happened in the race itself, it's easy to forget what happened in qualifying, both traditional and sprint. So we're going to be uh, tearing it all apart uh, in this podcast. It's been a little while, Jack. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. There's not a lot of sport on at the moment, so in a bit of a lull. But I'm divulging myself in my fantasy football because I really enjoy that. And uh, but in terms of mood coming from that race, I'll be honest. I'll be I'll be honest. I'm not the biggest Lewis Hamilton fan, so this taste has left a bit of a sour one in my mouth. But uh, it was it it was an interesting race. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll get on to that. We'll get on to that. But before we get to the race itself, there's a lot to, uh, as I said, there's a lot to dissect. Because obviously we had the uh, the very first um, sprint race. Um, and here's a little fact for you. This may, may may make you feel a little bit better. That Max Verstappen. Oh, spoiler alert! By the way, if you don't know what happened in the British Grand Prix, you probably want to. Why are you listening? Firstly. Yeah, firstly, why are you listening? Go and watch that. First. Well, I mean, who knows? Perhaps people haven't got time to sit the ho- sit and watch the whole race, and they think, ah. Oh, We'll get a unbiased and objective, you know, description from uh, both of the Jacks. But um, yeah, Max Verstappen is the first Formula One driver in history to score a point without finishing the race. That is a good point. That's that a good, good. That's I really smart. Out. That's really good. That I like. <laughs> That's, that is so going in a quiz. Only Formula One driver ever to <laughs> score a point without actually and get finishing. a DNF. You you could um, you could in theory score points without finishing races before, but you'd only be able to do it if uh, at least eleven drivers crashed yeah, out. Basically, and you, if you didn't finish, but you were on the final lap when you crashed out. Yeah. So very very uh, minute chance that slim happened. margins. But there was a chance before at least. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, as you said. If you're a Red Bull fan, bit of a bitter taste in the mouth. If you're a, if you're a Mercedes fan or a Lewis Hamilton fan, then perhaps you're a little bit more uh, happy. It's very split in terms of uh, what happened with that incident, but we'll get on to that later. We'll talk about qualifying first. We'll go, so we'll go in order of um, what happened. So we'll go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, obviously. Um, so just for context, if you hadn't been following Formula One particularly recently. Um, they've introduced um, a sprint. They now this is a weird thing. Like in the commentary, they kept saying how the FIA didn't want to call it a race. Um, I don't get why, because it was very clearly a race. Um, but yes, yeah, so we had qualifying, as has always been qualifying Q1, Q2, Q3, and wherever you qualify. That was how you started for the sprint race, and then there was a sprint race that lasted seventeen laps. And wherever you finished after that 17 laps is where you started for the actual race, or the feature race is what they call it in the Formula 2. So we'll start off with normal qualifying, shall we? Let's do so. Okay, let's do that. Um, so we'll just go straight in there with the, the time, well I say the times, the positions. So 1-2-3 was Hamilton, followed by Verstappen, followed by Bottas. Um, yeah, pretty... Uh, I mean, Hamilton, on his final run, 
was purple in both sectors, and then he dropped it in the final sector, didn't he? Um, yeah. So there was the potential. I think by that point, Verstappen had done a yellow in his first sector, though. So I think it was always looking likely that um, that Hamilton was still going to keep pole. I was about to say pole, but it's not really. It's kind of first for the sprint race. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so Hamilton finished first, followed by Verstappen, followed by Bottas. Um, I mean, I guess notable performances then. Um, George Russell, what what a performance from him! I mean, I don't know about you, but like, finished finished eighth. Yeah, I mean, if oh, anything, Williams. it was it was kind of like it wasn't his first. Last week was his first. Uh, well, not last week; it was probably two weeks before that in Austria. You know what I mean? That was the mm. miracle where he finishes in the top ten, and I think he was tenth. I don't know if he mm. improved on that in Q three, but uh, yeah, in this race, he well qualifying he. Finished eighth, and uh, yeah, in the Williams, remarkably, remarkably mm. well. Well, and the thing is as well that um, caught me out. He was like less than a tenth behind Perez. Yeah, to be to be was... fair, the 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 margin between first and last, well, maybe not last, first and the next person after Haas is actually quite small uh, this season compared to you know what is typical. Where you know, I mean, you've mm. seen Mercedes drive away with almost. A second on some teams in um, qualifying, but yeah, it's it, it is getting much much smaller. It's nice to see Williams not be the sort of dog of the the circuit, and they're actually yeah. they're not in, they're not in the midfield battle, but they they're at least competitive with teams like Alfa Romeo. Um, well, I mean, to some degree, I, Aston Martin. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether perhaps um, there's an, to a certain extent uh, Russell is outperforming the car. Um, oh, but I 100%, would say, 100%. well, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was a bit of a dull statement. It's quite clear that George Russell is outperforming that car. Um, quality content from this podcast. Uh, no, um, I would say that on their day, Williams seem to have they they seem to have in qualifying at very least. They seem to have a car that is very quick. Like, mm-hmm. well, when I say very quick, very quick relative to where they have been. As in, like, let's not forget. Like, you know, at the moment, Haas are the whipping boys, right? Yeah. But Haas have quite clearly come out and said, look, we're focusing on next season. That's what we're looking at. There have been times where Williams have been that far behind, trying their very best at the cur- in the current season. So to get into the top 10 is an amazing achievement. And even that close to kind of uh, one of the Red Bulls is also a, a fantastic achievement, I think. Particularly at his home Grand Prix as well. George Russell, he must have been... Uh, must have been delighted with that. Um, yeah, I mean, and you can see by where... I mean, Latifi's not a Formula One quality driver. He's there because he's paying for his seat. I mean, there's no hiding that fact. But he's still a half-decent one. I mean, I think we said previously when talking about Mazepin that he, he really is a gulf below what everybody else is because he, he, I don't think he'd even had a top three finish in Formula mm. Two. So it's like, yeah, he, he 100% is buying them. But Latifi is like... He's had some decent finishes in Formula 2 at the very least. And you could just... The difference between him and Russell is, is astronomical. <laughs> it's like, it yeah. is that impressive what George Russell is doing right now that it's it's an amazement that he hasn't been put in that Mercedes yet because he is he is just driving the wheels off that car um, for the time being. <laughs> mm. uh, do well, do you I think mean... the sort of gap between... I was going to say Williams, but more so Russell and the remainders is only going to get smaller and smaller as you know you've seen other teams like Ferrari and to some degree Mercedes sort of hint that they're 
more looking towards next year than this year. So they're not investing as much this year. But with Williams sort of just going at it again and again and again, week after week, improving, improving, do you think at some point, you know, you're almost looking top six? Or do you think that is just beyond the realms of what is capable? I mean, the biggest problem for Williams is that they don't seem to be able to convert qualifying pace to race pace. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think until they manage to do that, I, I don't think it matters how quickly they can be in qualifying, they're never going to compete properly in a race. Um, I mean, look, if they carry on in this trajectory, I mean, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that, you know, they're kind of in the same sort of realm as Aston Martin, maybe even Alpine, if they can really... Um, really turn it on you know um i mean i guess it's uh at that point then you're probably going to start questioning um i mean i guess the difficult thing for williams is that they, they must know that the time that they have russell for is finite um and like you said latifi is is not really being vintage is he so i think when we'll really see where williams are at is when russell eventually leaves i think <laughs> I think that'll be next season. Personally, I think they'll do the swap. Well, mm-hmm. I say the swap. I think I, I think Russell will end up at Mercedes. Um, up and up until probably two races ago, I was still sceptical. But I think George Russell is not in race, but I think just on outright pace and qualifying is demonstrating that if you put him in one of the fastest cars, he's going to get you a lot of points. Um, Can I? Just on the sort of counter to that, whilst I have been quite vehemently not in favour of Bottas keeping a seat at Mercedes, I will Mm. say that the more you see Perez struggle, the more you sort of do just get a little bit of appreciation of even though if Perez is driving as he Mm. should, he beats Bottas, Bottas just always is third, fourth or fifth. I know he had had a bit of a blip in the early part of the season, but... By and large, he is just keeping it on the track. He's not 100%. contending, but I mean, he's look, alive. Th- th- this is the thing. I've, this is always the thing I said about Bottas. He's not like, le- like for example, last season. Like for, we'll, we'll rule out this season for now because Red Bull are like a lot more competitive and probably the better team so far this season. If you look at last season, where Mercedes were just completely dominant, Valtteri Bottas, at the very least, was finishing third. Mm-hmm. From your second driver, and, I, and look, Mercedes will say all they want, oh, we don't have a first and second driver. They do have a first and second driver. Anyone who is a seven-time Formula One world champion is a first driver, right? If they, you know, they can't ask for much more than that, ultimately. And like you said, perhaps now that, you know, as you say, I think Perez on his day is probably quicker than Bottas. But it's when he's not on his day, do you really start to see the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the problem that Bottas has got is that the gap between himself and Lewis this season has been enormous. So I think what you're seeing now is that whereas last season, you know, you know, clearly Mercedes had the best car last season by a distance, so it didn't really matter how well Hamilton was performing or how well Bottas was performing. Ultimately, they were always going to be at the top. Now you're seeing Hamilton is managing to drive the absolute socks off a more limited car. I'm not going to say completely limited because it's still a quick car, but as in a more limited car than they've had in the past. And Bottas just doesn't seem to be able to quite reach that level. Um, it and I think it seems a- like but the ceiling for Bottas is much lower than what it is yes. for Perez, but the floor for Bottas is much higher 
the, what yes. the floor is for Perez and because Perez does seem yeah. to have more downs, but when yeah. he's up, he's way up up. Yeah. Whilst and with I, Bottas, he's doesn't seem to have loads of downs, yeah. but he never he's consistent. gets that high. Yeah. He's consistent. I mean, the problem that Mercedes have got though is that the longer they leave, um, you know, not having George Russell, I mean, all it would take, for example, I'm just plucking this out of thin air. All it would take, for example, is for say next season, at the start of the season, Fernando Alonso to go. Do you know what? I've had my time in Formula One. After this season, I'm done. And Alpine to go. Right, we'll have George Russell. Well, Red Bull apparently flitted. Russell said before the yeah. uh, British Grand Prix that he wouldn't be opposed. I to go into Red Bull. I thought that was mm. quite interesting. It's like, yeah, you guys. I may really want to drive for Mercedes, but if you aren't gonna, you know, at the end of the day. A Formula One driver's career is only for a, period, a small period of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, they're not going to hang around. Only, you're only going to have the best car for a small period. Mm. Like, who, who's to say Mercedes are even the best manufacturer or whatever the term is mm. next year when the regulations change? So you know what I mean. It's mm. like if you want Russell, get him in whilst it's all good, looking mm. good. So well, that and, he and stays. Ultimately, they have got to start looking to the future because Hamilton's not getting any younger. So I, I think that'll be why they make the change. Personally. Um. Should we move on to some... I feel like we've gone on a, a solid tangent there, to be honest, on George Russell. Put a George it, Russell uh, on just, the... Just one last thing on Russell. Go on. Is, uh, it was almost a spine-tingling moment watching him go for his Q3 lap. Just mm. nobody on the track, Russell on his own, doing what he can, getting a red... Mm. You know, it wasn't a tenth, it was an eighth or seventh, I think, at that point. Uh, and it was just the whole crowd cheering him on as he went around, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. You made it, son. <laughs> it was a good moment. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, it was it was just very impressive, wasn't it? Very, and he's got quite um, he got a very smooth driving style, George Russell. As in, like, like you see some drivers and they kind of wrestle in the car into the turns. George Russell, like, if you wa- if you watch the lap from his cockpit, he makes one movement per corner. He never adjusts. It's like he literally turns in and then just holds it there. It's really interesting to watch. Fair, 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 fair. Um. Next notable performer, then, um, it's, it's your boy Charles Leclerc. Yeah, I do like Leclerc. I, ah, uh, he's my favourite driver. He just, it's something about him that screams Ferrari. He is Ferrari. Ferrari is just, you know, it's all pinache. And but yeah, solid performance by him. Um, yeah, he just, in a sense, did what he needed to do. I, I think sort of, if one of the Red Bulls or Mercedes don't finish in the top four, then you know what I mean. All you're looking for is who's going to be next up. Is it going to be a McLaren? Is it going to be a Ferrari? And mm. Leclerc, more often than not, has said, "Yeah, I'll be that number four. <laughs> if you want me to be well, that yeah, number four, I mean, I'll be him." Well, and he's he's done it again. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, so he, he qualified fourth, which is uh, an an excellent uh, an excellent result. Like you say, I think. A lot of the time this season, and and I've certainly been guilty of it, is in in my head. I think if it's not, you know, if one of the Mercedes or Red Bull doesn't finish in my head, I automatically think right, Lando Norris for podium. Um, mm-hmm. But when you look at it on the balance, Charles Leclerc is probably should enter your thinking more often than he does. Perhaps just because Ferrari have been well, uh, Ferrari in... have, they've been a little bit up and down. They've been a little they... bit up and down. They've been more. Con- they've been much better than they were last season. There's no doubt about that. But yeah, they have been a little bit up and down, topsy turvy. But Leclerc's that was Leclerc's first um, podium of the season, and by and large, I thought he, yeah, I thought he's had a pretty good season. I just didn't 
didn't even acknowledge that. You know what I mean? He, you consider how uh-huh. good he was in uh, Monaco, and then doesn't mm. actually start the race. You know, he, he's had some rotten luck on some occasions, and mm. and you think uh, Azerbaijan, he was pipped to the podium by Gasly on that sort of three yeah. lap bonanza. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, he's been a bit unfortunate. And interestingly, on the Lando Norris point, that, that I think he's the only driver now to have uh, finished in the points for every race uh, so far. Is he? So yeah. talk about consistency. Another little staff there. Yeah, and mm. I mean, I think um, I think if if you look relative to the car that they're driving, I think you'd probably have to argue that Leclerc's probably been one of the better performers. Um, as in, you know, at the start of the season, if you'd said that that Ferrari would get podium you'd be like yeah right um that's not happening um so yeah Charles Leclerc had a, a good uh qualifying and a very good race but we'll uh we'll, we'll get on to that a little bit later um but the most notable performance of them all for me and not necessarily because it was the best but because yeah, I was gonna say this is more of being, a congratulations you've graduated to the big finally, point finally finally it happened <laughs> Danny Ricardo qualified seventh. He got into Q3. Um, yeah, very uh, a much needed performance for Danny Rick. I think he's in like, I feel like it's it's got w- worse in recent weeks. I think one of them he qualified like thirteenth. Like oh my yeah, goodness. he never like, put himself. Far. He he always seemed to have decent races where he'd improve by four or five positions every time. But but because he, was he could just to never get yeah he could never get that solid standing just to start mm. the Grand Prix um, mm. in a good position. So yeah, yeah, very decent for him to start in seventh. Yeah, I think I'm right in saying he finished well in. Um, Austria or Styria, whichever one it was, he finished quite well. So I feel like he's starting to kind of get a little bit more comfortable with the car. And I think, you know, like we said, the problem hasn't necessarily been his race pace, but because he's been so diabolical in qualifying, he's left himself with a huge amount to do in races. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, um, notable performance for uh, Mr. Ricardo um, in qualifying. Um, do we want to add anything else for traditional qualifying, or should we move on to the sprint race? No, yeah, sort so, covered it well. Okay, cool. Um, before we get on to the specifics of this sprint race, what are your thoughts on the concept? No, let me let me put it this way: What were your thoughts on the concept of a sprint race before Saturday? If I'm honest, before Saturday, I was all for it. I just thought. Practice is boring. Uh, I've spoken to you in the past that you've said you don't even watch practice, um, which is fair enough. I tend to just mm. chuck it on whilst I'm working. But yeah, I mean, by when I large, say I don't watch not, it, I yeah. D- yeah, I mean, I don't. If it's on, it's not an interest. And I can. Watch. Yeah, if if it's on, I can. If I it's can't, like listening then I'm, to the I'm radio. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's background noise. But um, yeah, before the before the sprint race, before the weekend, I thought great, more racing. What's not mm. to like? That's my initial thoughts. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I guess I was a little bit sceptical, um, just from the point of view that I, you know, it, it, like I said, not completely against the idea, but I think apart from just adding more racing in, I'm not sure what it really adds. And I know that sounds a bit of a stupid statement, because like, you, you kind of sat there like, oh, well, surely you want more racing. Um, yes, as long as it's not at the detriment of traditional qualifying and the race itself um mm-hmm. on on that point about the detriment to traditional qualifying interestingly 
the person who gets accredited with the pole, well, the pole position uh, for the race is the person who won the sprint qualifying, not the person yeah. who finished with the yeah, fastest yeah. time in traditional qualifying, which, well, this is, I'll this... be honest, don't agree with that at all. You're quickest well, and... for one lap. That's not, you know what I mean? This is a race. That's different. Yeah, and I mean, I guess this is where it kind of, you know, because in the notes we've got thoughts on the concept before Saturday and thoughts on the concept after the sprint race on Saturday. So, yeah, I mean, having watched the sprint race, I mean, my my to summarise, it just felt really gimmicky. That, that's how I felt. It mixed up the midfield a fair bit. You know, like Fernando Alonso had that absolute... Like, he just went on a complete mission, didn't he? Like, mm-hmm. um, you know... Um, the top of the field stayed roughly the same. I mean, you know, we've got the grids here. So, obviously, um, Verstappen absolutely rinsed Hamilton on the start. Oh, well, I say... Fast, fast start. I, that was insane. I, I, say, I say he rinsed Hamilton. He did, but Hamil- it, was a, it was a combo of... Verstappen had a very, very good start, and Hamilton had a very, very bad start. So, it was like both extremes. Um, so those two swapped around. Um, Bottas and Leclerc stayed in the same position. Perez, who qualified fifth on the Friday, dropped out. He had a. Did he have a DNF, or did he uh, just drop right to the back? I believe. Oh, that's a good. I believe he didn't have a DNF. I think he started well. He qualified something like seventeenth or eighteenth, and then they decided just do a oh, yeah, load of upgrades pit, to the car. Yeah, and yeah, Check yeah. him in the pit because what's the um, difference? Um, so Danny Ricardo then got promoted to sixth, um, and then the first one of those then ultimately that really moved up the packing order was Fernando Alonso. So we jumped from eleventh to seventh. So a lot of the kind of top six really didn't change that much. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, my ultimate feeling was it was a bit gimmicky. It hundred percent devalued the feeling of qualifying, traditional yeah. qualifying is how I feel. Is in just completely redundant. Um, and I don't know about you, but I feel like it reduced my excitement for the race the following day. Do I think that? <sighs> I don't know if it reduced my excitement, but I, in a sense, you already kind of knew what was going to happen, what the yeah, storyline yeah. would have been. Had yeah, Hamilton yeah. not taken out Verstappen, Verstappen would have won that race, and we know that because of how Ooh. fast he was. Yeah, no, I just that's do a, that. <laughs> just that's, just that's, that's <laughs> leave a it as a sweeping statement. Um, but, but, but we're not undenying that Verstappen would have won the race had he not been, you know, had he not crashed out. That, I don't think that's within a shadow of a doubt he, he absolutely flew past and I know he, I know Hamilton had a bad start but I mean Verstappen was close to 4-5 seconds ahead after just 17 laps it was then, like it, it, I mean, was, it was a e- golf it's easy to say that though but as in you don't know how you know as in it's easy to say oh Verstappen would have gone on to win it you don't know that you know as in if they hadn't have collided like Hamilton was very much over the back of Verstappen for the majority of that first lap until they collided. It's one of those things where like but, anything can happen. But and I feel this now. I feel like the reason Hamilton was so over the back of him was because he knew what would have happened uh, if the race had proceeded in its normal procession. I think he saw oh, how yeah. quick Verstappen was the day before and went, I've got to do something. My strategy now changes from instead of just surviving for the first lap, Mm. And then, you know, seeing where we go, because clearly I can't mm. make up the gap on him lap on lap. 
instead mm. I'll just you know take more risks on the first lap but that's what I mean I think my post sprint race reflection or post weekend reflection is that all it does by and large is sort of strip out the randomness of qualifying by letting a lot of those sort of midfield guys find their natural order over the first yes. you know over that 17 laps and then it kind of just kills a little bit of that whoa this guy's out of position because even though Alonso yeah, had a, yeah. a really bizarre five place gain that was on one lap and that's that's not as a result of a sprint no. qualifying that is as a result of the fact that he took a load of risks on that first lap so I don't think it really added anything yeah. on that element but um, also and, it's yeah. sort of that took up the element of risk in terms of strategies it's like pe- people have gone oh let's see how far we can stretch this tie let's see what happens if we try this or that at the beginning and it's like well now that you sort of take a lot of that away and everybody knows what the sort of order is going to happen going into the race mm. I think some guys went, okay, watch out for Alonso. We know where he's going to overtake. We can block him off in these particular areas. Mm. Some Hamilton may have, as I was saying, looked at Verstappen and said, Verstappen's quicker than me. And mm. even though I was quicker in qualifying, clearly I couldn't do that for every race, a lap of this race. Mm. And he went, I'm going to be try, you know, be ultra aggressive for this first lap just to see if I can. Because I think that's what I mean. It, You, you looked at some maybe races last year, you think of maybe when Perez won in Bahrain. It's like... Had he not known those, he could keep those tyres going for that long, maybe he doesn't try that strategy. You know, yeah. in, in a sense, you fi- you're learning a lot more information in that sprint yes. race 100%. going into the actual race. Then it kills a lot of that yeah. risk of, can we do this? Can we do that? You know what I mean? Yeah, What's yeah, the yeah. point in having these departments that work out how long that tyre is going to last if you already you find know? out? You, yeah. you go back to Silverstone last year, the tyres exploded on the dot of what that um whatever the limit was it's like really, well, yeah. going yeah, into yeah. this year it's like well it, had they known that who knows maybe science bottas hamilton all pit the lap before because they know that's yeah and then it changes the order yeah no that's a yeah. very good point so it, it takes away that risk hmm. it takes away it takes away the randomness of or the, the variables i guess it kind of eliminates a lot of those um mm. and i think i can see why they do it in the f2 because obviously they are Pretty and much it's for a lot cars. more points as well. In the yes. F2. Yeah, it in the F two, they yeah they they can change the um I think it's something to do with the ECU, so they can change how the car responds, the throttle response, etc., etc. But ultimately, the cars are pretty much the same. Um, so that is slightly different. But yeah, I the way I see it is this: if they're gonna do it for um, you know, like random races because I think they've got three on the cards at the moment, haven't they? They've got this yes. one. Didn't you say potentially Brazil and another one? And Monza. Monza's a hundred percent. Monza. Yeah. Uh, Brazil's fifty-fifty, yeah, yeah. depending on if Brazil actually goes ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it was. Um, yeah, that that. Uh, if they do that, I'm kind of still a bit juries out because I don't like the way that it kind of makes qualifying. When I say qualifying, I mean like traditional qualifying, just completely redundant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know about you, but I, this is going to sound really dramatic and theatrical. But there's something like really gladiatorial about traditional qualifying that I absolutely love. It's just so yeah. simple. It's like car, machine, track, as fast as you can, go. It's effective. It's as simple yeah. as that. Um, if you're going to add anything in, I'm going to go back to my point about Monaco, where I think they chuck in time trials. I think time trials yeah. is a much more exciting 
thing to put on than a, a sprint qualification, which is just mm. by and large a short mm. race. You put a time trial in, all of a sudden it's like, right, you've got three laps, we're going to take your best aggregate time. It's like, whoa, mm. here we go. That's Even if you replace normal qualification with that for one or two races of the year, just if they want these just to try out different things. But yeah, I don't like the idea. If anything, I'm not for sprint races than normal races. I don't think it adds anything. No. Um, so I'm kind of in the position where I'm juries out if they're going to do it on a handful. I certainly don't want it at every race like they do in the F2. I really don't want that. Um, I think I tell you generally... What, sorry, go on. Instead of a 17-lapper, to be fair, it was a 100-kilometer race, which just worked out as a 17-lapper at Silverstone. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather see three five-lap races. I know it sounds really radical, but just go at it five laps. Okay, stopped. Five laps. Stopped. You know, it just it's just because every the best part of the race is the start, so why not just get mm. loads of starts in just for the chaos? That's what mm. I want to see. Fair enough. Um in terms of other well, I guess just to summarise then, um Verstappen moved from second to pole. Um biggest loser was obviously Sergio Perez because he had a, a spin in the end as a result, took damage and Meant he had to start from the pit lane for the actual race. Um, Fernando Alonso was probably the biggest winner, kind of just going all out on the first lap and gaining five spaces. Um, Carlos Sainz lost out a bit as well, dropped a couple of places. Um, yeah, and then it was just a bit of a mix around in the midfield to rear yeah, of, the, uh, yeah. of the order, nothing major. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, right. Let's talk about the race. We'll start at the start, lap one, the incident. Um, if you had to summarise it in one word, how would you summarise it? I haven't got this in the notes, but I just want to know why you'd summarise it. Bold. Nah, to be honest, I can't really summarise that in one word. But if I was, if I were just to make a quick one sentence as to what my thoughts coming away from that incident was, I'd say... I'm all for aggressive racing, but there's an attacker and a defender in every move. And if there's an incident, I think they should more harshly penalise the attacker because I think it should be the attacker's responsibility not to make an accident cause that. And I'm not just saying this because it's Hamilton. I think this should go across for all races. If there's two people battling, but one of them's the attacker quite clearly because they're the one who's perhaps gambling at well not maybe not gambling a touch more but being the person who has to make the move if you're the one making the move you've got to make the move safely rather than the defender having to be uber conscious of the, the safety element i just think it's on the attacker's emphasis not to cause an incident because in a sense they're choosing when they're going to attack don't attack in a scenario where something could happen like we saw that that's my that's my overarching opinion coming from this weekend that's a long sentence, mate. I'm it just is. saying it's, that that is a long it's a sentence. So, yes, it's a, it's a. What do they call it at the start of a, a dissertation? Um, oh, oh! I hate that you asked it? that because I would have found that earlier. But um, <laughs> oh, I like, think uh, about it whilst you express your opinions. <laughs> it's whatever that is. Um, my my summary would be feisty. <laughs> um, That's fair enough. Yeah. it was very feisty. <laughs> it, it was very feisty. So. Basically, if you didn't know, Hamilton and uh, Verstappen collided. I don't know about you, Jack, but it's been coming. It was going to happen at some point during yeah. the season, and it has finally happened. Um, 
up until that point, it had been brilliant racing. Um, so, yeah, Hamilton had been kind of fairly close to Verstappen for the majority of the lap. Yeah, he, um, to be honest, he looked more punchy. He did look he more did. punchy. I he don't know if they powered him right up for that first lap just well, to see if this, they could get him this, ahead. And this is interesting, going back to the sprint race. And Damon Hill yeah. made this point on the F1 commentary. Like, he said how he, he was of the opinion that the sprint race had angered... Mm. Not angered, that's not the right word, but it, it had basically G'd Hamilton up to kind yeah. of be like, you know, like, all right, okay, Verstappen's like gone and done that in the sprint race. I'm going to try and do the same in the normal race, which is fine because you know it's um you know that's part of racing. Um, but yeah, so Hamilton had been kind of um very close to Verstappen for the majority of the first lap. Um, I think that was both a tactical thing, like you said. I think there was they, he was probably of the opinion that if ever he was going to catch Verstappen, the best chance would be at the start. Yeah. I imagine um, all of his strategies to win the race were based on you have probably, to get ahead in lap one. Probably, I don't think yeah, there was yeah, any yeah. way they could have got ahead for this. No. Um, and I think there was probably, like we said, the incentive based on what had happened in the sprint race, you know, try and be a bit... Um, yeah, be, be, be bold going into the first lap. Um, mm-hmm. In terms of the incident itself then, so heading into Cops, which is the kind of fast right-hander before you have the sweep-in... Um, Maggots and Beckett's left, right of Maggots and Beckett's. Um, they'd had a they kind of had a bit of a joust going on to that straight. So Ham, uh, Verstappen had kind of moved to the right to kind of cover off. Hamilton still stuck to the right. Um, Hamilton kind of went up the inside. Um, Verstappen was on the outside, and Hamilton's front left collided with Verstappen's rear right. Um, Verstappen basically lost a tyre and then flew into the wall at something, they said it's something oh. like 51 or 52G. 51, um, yeah. I, I was amazed that the British crowd cheered. I thought, the man's gone in the 51Gs, what are we cheering about? Did, he... did, did, they, did they cheer or was it more of a, ooh? Oh. No, it sounded like a cheer to me when I was listening to it. I thought, oh, it's, oh. A, it's a bold thing to cheer about, I thought, as a British public. Um, I, I, another I, man I, I, going down. I feel like you may be a little bit sceptical there. I don't think the British public oh. are quite as... Uh, I Quite don't a know. sinister Classically as that. British, I think. <laughs> Is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that's probably about as unbiased a description as I can give of the incident, really. Um, would you Would you agree with that? Do you think there's anything there that I've uh, omitted no, I don't th- that you think is... You, I don't think you've admitted... No, I think... Well, I'll be honest. Uh, I'm not going to be biased. My view was that Hamilton is more at fault than Verstappen. I think in every instant there's always somebody who's more or less at fault. I don't think anyone's ever squeaky clean unless... Blameless, yeah. Yeah, uh, unless you're thinking maybe back to Vettel against Ocon on the first race of the season where he blamed Ocon like for a, uh, going a, slow. A, a, <laughs> or, or like uh, an Ayrton Senna who just like yeah. ploughed into the driver yeah. at the first but, corner with no intent yeah. of going around it. Um <laughs> But uh, on this instant in particular, my viewpoint is I don't think Hamilton was alongside enough. I know there was footage of him or an image where he is alongside, but I think he's only alongside at that moment because he's decided not to break. And the apex, Mm. well, the, the angle he's taking, I think... I don't think he's staying on the track, firstly, or if he is, he's going to be going insanely slow 
during the end of that corner. And I think mm. Verstappen was ahead, was comprehensively ahead enough to have the right to take that corner. I think Hamilton should have pulled out, if I'm honest. Even though I can understand the viewpoint of Verstappen may not have known he was there because he thought he'd have pulled out by then and maybe he should have been more conscious of that. But by and large, I think in that situation, Hamilton should have backed out a lot earlier than what he did. If he did, that is. And I, I, I believe it was Hamilton's fault. Okay, um, I mean, g- just going off from that slightly, I mean, I think ultimately it's probably the most divided I've seen Formula 1 in a long time based on a single incident. Um, in terms of the race itself, Hamilton received a 10-second stop-go penalty mm-hmm. um, just to kind of emphasise how divisive um, it was. You had, on the F1 commentary, you had uh, Jensen Button, Damon Hill and Chandok Um Jensen Button was of the opinion that it probably should have been harsher. Damon Hill was of the opinion that it could have been harsher, but he thought the 10 seconds was fair. And you had, excuse me, you had Chandok who was saying that he thought the 10 seconds was harsh. So that just of emphasized, you've got three different to perspectives. To be fair, yeah, from D- it, was, three different it was a racing was incident. Yes. It was a racing incident, but it was a racing incident where you could more side with one than the other. Mm. I think that okay. was the brutal element of it. Um... Yeah, and Hornham was raging. Surprise. Um, Marco was asking for a race ban. (laughs) Oh, yeah, well, he he can get in the bin. Um, So, you know, my opinion is that um, I think that it's... I just think that it's purely a racing incident. Um, I think that a 10-second stock go is harsh. Um, And my reasoning is... Um, you said you didn't think Hamilton was far enough alongside yeah. um, to kind of warrant him kind of putting his car where he put his car. I think he possibly was. Um, I would also say that I, I completely agree with what you're saying in terms of there is... Uh, it's a balancing act. I think that's completely accurate, as in it's never... Um, you know, no, no one's ever squeaky clean in an incident like that. There's always an argument that drivers could have done more, could have done less. Um, I think it was perhaps um, a little bit naive on Verstappen's part, purely from the point of view of he was trying to take the fastest line through that corner. Mm-hmm. He would have known not necessarily how far alongside that, that Hamilton was, but he must have known that Hamilton was in the vicinity. And even if he didn't know for sure, you've got to assume that the car just doesn't vanish. Um, and because and, I know a lot of people have been saying about Hamilton didn't hit the apex of that corner, which I, I completely yeah. agree with. He didn't hit the apex. Um, however, Verstappen could have given more to the left as well. Yeah, I'll agree with um, that. I'll agree. Verstappen yeah. probably should... And maybe it is a bit in hindsight, but yeah, when you know yeah. that Hamilton was alongside you, he's probably not going to have pulled out that much that he's, yes. you know what I mean, to that detriment which to his is, own race. Which is why I think that it's just a racing incident. That's as far as I, as, I, I think if you are going to give anything, I think a 10 second is probably, I can understand why they gave a 10 second as well, just purely from the point of view that Verstappen's race was done, as in it was, it was over. If, um, if, yeah, if anything... 
the 10 second was bang on perfect purely because no one was satisfied <laughs> everybody mm. wanted more <laughs> either it was more for one or more as in nothing uh yeah, I, I will yeah, say so it was right down the middle it has it hasn't tarnished the championship between battle between the two it hasn't because it's still a great battle what's going on but mm. it does it, it, the penalty never seems enough when one driver's come out of it unscathed in in the sense yeah. of his car and the other one is out. Because, I mean, you've got to feel for Hamilton, uh, Verstappen where he's been in Azerbaijan where his tyre blew up and you can argue that, that that was perhaps some of Red Bull's fault, but they played mm. within the rules. It was just the fact that the rules weren't comprehensive enough, which is why the incident occurred. Same mm. for Aston Martin that was in that race. So he he, he, lo- he lost 25 there, which would have been a... What ten point gain, maybe even eleven point with the mm. fastest lap over Hamilton um, on yeah. that scenario, uh, and now he's had this one, which is you could argue a thirty two point loss because he probably was going to win this race with Hamilton mm. in second, with a you know I mean that's another seven plus the twenty five. Well, actually no, mm. that's another seven. Ignore my twenty five, not thirty two. It's just just seven. It's a swing but, though, isn't it? It's a swing. Yeah. It's it's gone from. It's not. You gotta just... hope something goes his way. Yeah, <laughs> he's been. Yeah. he's been the recipient of the bad luck so far, and you kind of hoping he. Uh, find some way of rectifying that. Not saying well, to I mean, crash into Hamilton, but. <laughs> well, I mean. The... I'd agree with you on that, as in he has been a little bit unlucky. I mean, the one thing I would say is, in relation to Baku, it was horrendously unlucky, naturally. Um, however, if you think about it, so Verstappen was in first, Hamilton was running in second. Yeah. Had they just finished the race, Verstappen would have gained 25 points. Hamilton, mm. excuse me, Hamilton would have gained 18 points. So, was there's a plus. No, I thought he was third. Oh, never mind, okay. No, you, well, yeah, he, Hamilton was third, yeah. Oh, okay, there, there we are then. He was third. Yeah, it would have been, yeah was, that was my 10. Yeah. What is it? For, there we go, yeah. But yeah. then, because of the restart, which was caused because Verstappen crashed out, mm. Hamilton had that issue where he went straight on and ended up with nothing. Yeah. So Yeah, that's I what I mean. Like in that Baku, one, it kind of helped. You know, I feel like Baku... Lost it, but that was a 10-point loss, yeah. in a sense. It is, it is a 10-point loss. It is a 10-point loss. I think... I guess I feel like these sort of things balance themselves out over the course of the season. You know, like ultimately Mercedes are yet to have um, a failure of a car or anything like that. So I, I feel like that's going to balance out. Um, I agree with what you're saying in terms of, you know, Red Bull and Verstappen fans are obviously going to call for more because it's not, it's not just the fact that their driver isn't getting anything. It's the fact that Hamilton is. Um, yeah. I think it's it's a tricky one. Ultimately, it is a racing incident. I think I think it just depends on how we how much of the blame you apportion to certain drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think you know Chandok did a good uh, a good little summary. I thought in terms of uh, you know there've been a handful of times where um, you know Verstappen and Hamilton have been kind of alongside each other. And Verstappen is well within his rights, got his elbows out and kind of eased Lewis off the track. Um, I think had Lewis perhaps been a bit more feisty, he could have held position. Then you're looking at perhaps another two incidents. I think the ones he showed were Imola and Barcelona. Barcelona. Um, I think in both of those, I don't think, again, I'm not saying that 
Verstappen was wrong in those circumstances, but he was aggressive, which is fine. He, he was, but can I just, on my side, well, on the Verstappen viewpoint for those, he is 100% alongside in both of those. Like, he is alongside him going into it, like, he for is. a couple of seconds. And I think he in is. those ones, that is where you're allowed to battle. There isn't an attacker or defender there. I felt like in this scenario with Britain, well, in the British one, in that one I thought Hamilton doesn't have as much a right as Verstappen had going on in mm. those two incidents i just feel like there's the amount of well how much they were alongside i mean hamilton was there for a snapshot which was what mm. is the only photo they're showing whilst um, for those ones they were alongside going into them and you could just say um, that one person had to back out and you can say maybe imola well, yeah imola i agree with you barcelona i disagree with you because if really? you watch See, the I barcelona thought also on the barca no, I, I disagree with Barcelona. If you watch Barcelona, the Barcelona overtake, Hamilton has to take evasive action to not collide with Verstappen just because of how Verstappen has got into the corner. And I'm not saying that that's wrong, but what I'm saying is I think if you're going to apply the rule of that's aggressive and that's okay, I feel like you've perhaps got to be... I think it just happens that in this circumstance, because it's ended in a collision, people are uh, uh, trying to apportion blame. Whereas I think in the other ones, because it hasn't ended in a collision, I think they've just gone, oh, well, that's hard racing. Um, so that th- th- that's my viewpoint on the matter, as you say. Um, I think it, it, it depends on what viewpoint you take. You, you know, not everyone's going to agree. Um, I mean, what I don't seem to agree with, and this seems to baffle me, is that people are seeming to suggest that Lewis Hamilton firstly caused the crash on purpose, which... That just baffles me. Firstly, is the guy who's chasing the championship. That doesn't make any sense. because, And this is another thing as well, which I thought was interesting. Mercedes said, had they not had a red flag, they would have had to have retired the car as well because they had a cracked front rim. So if they hadn't have had a red flag, Hamilton would have been out as well. So, But, I, I, I and I, to be honest, I don't think Hamilton went out there to crash into Lewis. But... But I will say that he, I wouldn't be surprised if he went into that race with the mindset of, I've got less to lose. I'm not saying he's oh, yeah. going to cause a crash, but in a sense, he'd seen from the sprint qualifying race that oh, he, can't, he can't keep up. And he thought, it's worth me taking the risks because if something does happen, not saying mm. he wanted a 51G crash into the wall, but if something yeah. does happen it's not as a bigger loss to him. Because in a sense, I know they both could have been crashed at the race. And yeah, yeah, when yeah. you're the chaser, you need... But in a sense, looking at it on paper, that was going to be a seven to eight point loss for Hamilton that weekend. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, that's that's the beauty of Formula One, isn't it? That's, um, you know, drivers taking risks and, um, you know, going for... You know, Ayrton Senna said, if you no longer go for a gap, you're no longer a racing driver. That's part of the sport, isn't it? Uh, that's that's not to say you should just plunge your car into every gap that's possible, but you know, do a melt within reason. Yeah, do a melt and Um Yeah, and I mean another thing that I don't really seem to understand. Well, two things really. Um, is that they seem to be um, this apportioning of um, blame on Hamilton, saying that he's dangerous and X, Y, and Z. I'm like, look, with the greatest respect. Like it's Formula One, it's a dangerous sport. This is part of the this is part of the parcel. I'm not saying again, I'm not saying you be flippant and just start plunging your car left, right and centre. But you know, ultimately, you know, there could be an argument, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, 
there could be an argument that if Verstappen is um, a bit more wily, and, you know, like Hamilton has had to learn this, that there would have been times where Hamilton would go for everything and anything in terms of whether he's in front or behind. But I think now you see with Hamilton, there are times where he thinks, no, I pull my car out and I secure a second. And there are times where he thinks, no, I fight for this. And I feel like sometimes Verstappen, because he's so aggressive and it's good, it's exciting to watch, that's what you want in Formula 1. But I think sometimes it's almost like he goes boom or bust. It's like first mm-hmm. or nothing. Um, but, you know, I yeah, and I don't understand the, uh, you know, like this rhetoric of us and sporting that he was celebrating. Like, with the greatest respect, Roman Grosjean was on fire for 10 seconds and was like potentially in life-threatening condition and they still did the podium which Verstappen was on by the way he was on that podium and they still did the podium as as per I, and I would say knew- to the contrary though that in that scenario the Grosjean incident was nothing to do with Verstappen whilst on this one if you were looking at it Verstappen saying you've just crashed me out in his opinion and you've just gone on to you know what I mean celebrating in such an open fashion it's it's a little bit of all right that's sport then I'm sorry, uh, I, like because for Sapper, I, I feel like it's a bit of a kick of in the teeth to say, you know, just when you look at it and go, you've crashed me out from his opinion, and it's like you've then just gone to sort of rub it in. Yeah, with but the they, celebrations. But they, but they weren't saying it from that perspective. They were saying it from the perspective of, oh, I'm in hospital, and just celebrating mm-hmm. while I'm in hospital, which is a load of nonsense. Because firstly, they knew he was relatively all right because he got up out of the car, and walked to the ambulance. Secondly, Hamilton, at the time of doing the podium and the celebrations, etc., didn't even know that he'd gone to hospital. So mm. I feel like that's... Uh, and, you know, I'm not... Look, ultimately, the main thing is is that Max Verstappen is okay. That's that's the main thing. But I think for Verstappen to come out and say, oh, I'm disappointed with Lewis, he shouldn't have been celebrating, like, I, I don't buy that. Sorry. I think that's um, that's that's part of the sport. Um, yeah, that, that's my opinion on that anyway. Um, do we have anything else to say on the on that incident? Uh, Hamilton's a thug. No, I know <laughs> nothing. The <laughs> <laughs> disgrace of the sport. What's he doing? No, so, no, no. so much, so much salt, so much salt. Um, should we move on to the rest of the pack then? If we, uh, if we yeah, haven't probably got should. Else to say um, it's about twenty minutes um, on one lap, and we've got just the. 50 or so to go. Uh. Well, yeah, well, you know, this is going to be a five-hour special. <laughs> um, right, rest of the pack then. Honourable mention, I think the first man is Charles Leclerc. We picked him out for qualifying. But what a drive for Ferrari. Um, yeah, well, so... sort of what a drive, but also what was going on? <laughs> it was like, right, okay, mm. we've got a factory reset our steering wheel as we're going here, lads, here we go. <laughs> it's like, well, okay, is, what's yeah. the next code, next code? Apparently they were just doing it for about 20 minutes straight, just trying to recode yeah, yeah. that thing. Yeah, Insane. so they said he had some sort of problem. It, it didn't, it wasn't a hardware issue. It was, um, it was, it was something to do with, like, oh, I can't remember what they said it was now, but, um, Basically, his yeah. engine, though, was going slow on certain occasions. He's like, why is it going slow? Why is it going yeah, slow? Cutting okay, out. Going, he, kept, they kept, he kept saying, it's cutting out, it's cutting out. Mm. Um, but despite that, he looked fairly comfortable for the majority of the race, to be honest. Um, yeah. To like, be honest, I don't know about you. Oh, sorry, go on. I was going to say, he, I reckon he might have won that race had uh, Norris not had the slow pit stop. Because if Norris hadn't had that slow pit stop, he stays ahead of Bottas. And if he stays ahead of Bottas, Hamilton won't be able to get past both Bottas and Norris in the one movie. I know he he did overtake them both, but 
doing it separately without, you know what I mean? In a sense, he was easily able to pass Bottas because they allowed him to, but had they yeah. been closer, DRS might have kept them apart. You know, who knows what could have happened, but yeah, yeah, yeah very good drive. Very good. Um, oh, I can't remember what I was going to say, Nim. Clearly, apologize. I was thinking Ferrari, Ferrari, Leclerc. Leclerc winning. Um, oh, yes, that's what I was going to say. Because, um, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I saw um, Leclerc was in first, followed by Hamilton. I was like, well, surely it's just a matter of laps before Hamilton just overtakes him and kind of drives off into the distance. Mm. Um, but that really wasn't the case, as in Leclerc properly stuck around to the point yeah. where he led every lap until like the last three, I think. Yeah, it was, it was um, quite close. Yeah, it was it was heartbreakingly close for Leclerc, really, to be honest. Um, and like you said, he'd uh, managed to kind of... Uh, manage uh, an issue with the car and still keep a fairly comfortable gap um, and you know like you said all it would have taken was for Norris to have had that quick stop rather than the uh, um, you know and he, he could have potentially held up Bottas and Hamilton together because obviously then the logistics of the switchover isn't quite as simple is it mm-hmm. um, so yeah fair play to Charles Leclerc Um I guess another thing then, uh, McLaren. I think they had a good weekend on the whole, really. Um, there, there was a there was on. a small period where there was questions as to whether Norris might actually win the race. With yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, he yeah. was in second, I I think, ahead of Bottas, and the clue was having his engine issues, and they just announced the Hamilton ten second penalty, and it was like, mate, Ooh, <laughs> if, if all right these guys go yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he could have had it, but uh, yeah, but a poor pit stop meant that Bottas got ahead yeah. of him, and no issues for Hamilton or Leclerc. Just seemed to, yeah, ended up fourth. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think um, they were really unfortunate, weren't they? Uh, in terms of the pit stop, it, it seemed to be that a few um, a few teams had troubles with uh, slow pit stops, probably because of the heat. Um, mm-hmm. Like I think uh, Signs was another one who had an absolute stinker of a pit stop. Just before Leclerc came in as well, it was like yeah, yeah, yeah. that was that way around because they would have been fuming. <laughs> well, yeah, when 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 Charles Leclerc came in, I think everyone was kind of holding their breath, like, oh, don't let him lose the position because of a yeah. dodgy pit stop. Cameron um, was straight on that left front tire, like, go on, <laughs> go on, <laughs> do it, do it, do it. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, so Norris P four, Ricardo, albeit some way back, finished P five. Um, and I think, you know, like prior to the season, I think Ricardo probably wouldn't have been particularly happy with that scenario. But given how his season has gone, um, I think he'll be happy to just get the result, to be honest with you. Um, and I think he'll be happy with the weekend as a whole, like we said earlier, as in he's qualified well um, in terms of... this. Uh, sorry, no, he hasn't qualified well. He's qualified poorly and raced okay. Um, but because he's given him so much to do after a poor qualifying session, is is meant nothing. Whereas I think this is like one of the first times, maybe one or two other times, but as in this is one of the first like solid full race weekends that Daniel Ricciardo has had. Um, particularly because we had the sprint race in the middle as well. So yeah, I think he'll be happy with that. He had a properly uh, interesting battle with uh, Carlos Sainz, I thought. Um, Things. Signs was a little bit unlucky throughout the weekend, really. When you think about it, wasn't he? A little yeah, bit unlucky. Lost, lot lost, no. <laughs> lost, uh, lost out in terms of the sprint race, and then had that issue uh, in the pit stop with the wheel, kind of uh, playing a bit of havoc. Um, 
and like you said, I think Norris perhaps would have been hoping for a little bit more um, at the start of the race when Hamilton had his 10-second penalty. Um, Charles Leclerc was at the front and you were kind of thinking, ooh, Lando could, uh, Lando could get a win, yeah, at his home Grand Prix, but it was undone ultimately by a very slow pit stop and things didn't quite materialise as he would have hoped, I think. But, you know... That's the way it goes in Formula 1 sometimes. But I think they'll be happy with a P4 and P5. Also for Norris, because he had that um, that issue with the Euro 2020 final, didn't he? Where he got mugged or something. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, Sergio Perez. I don't know what you want to say about Sergio Perez, perhaps based on, uh, on these notes. I mean, it seems to have... You know, we kind of referred to it at the... Uh, earlier on in that Perez seems to be a little bit up and down. I feel like it's gone under the radar a little bit. I don't know about you. Yes. Yeah. To be fair, it's, it looks like he can't overtake people. He can manage the life out of a tyre to the nth degree. It's incredible how long he can really just cling on to tyres and get them to extend and extend. But he just doesn't seem to have the pace. I don't know if it's just because of the car. And whether mm. the car overheats or it just isn't got a good aerodynamic <coughs> uh, yeah. element to it whenever he's behind another car and that he just can't get mm. close enough to overtake. But he does not seem... Whenever he's behind somebody, he's stuck. And I think that yeah. may have even played into his mind when he tried to overtake... I think it was Norris uh, to get a, a position uh, during the sprint mm. race, which caused the spin. Um, so, yeah. I, yeah, he's not looked good for a bit. I mean, I, I was going to say, I got... I've got some other notes. I haven't. I've got my fantasy football statistics just because um, I do the F1 fantasy as well. Uh, but yeah, he's had low scores for four races in a row now. Ever since mm. he's won in Azerbaijan, he's not really had a great race since. I mean, both of the Austria ones he didn't do particularly well in as well. So no. it, it, it's, it's sort of going under the radar. But at the same time, it, it depends. He, he hasn't had that sort of consistency. He's won a race, great. But he's also too often been towards the bottom and not being able to get up and up and up. I mean, there was a point where he was 10th and they thought it's better for us to pit him and get him on a fresh set of tyres just to get the fastest lap to stop Hamilton yeah, getting yeah. that. Because to be fair, net gains, they've gained... Well, they haven't gained a point, but they've taken, they're have taken. either going to yeah. take a point off or they're going to gain a point themselves. I think they thought may as well help Verstappen out on the, on the side. So yeah, yeah, went for that element. Yeah. But yeah, he's, he's not been good. He's not been good for a few weeks. No, I mean, and you said it earlier, like, I think perhaps what you're seeing is Perez on his day is brilliant, but he, he does seem to be a little bit um, volatile, I guess, in that when he doesn't finish in the top four, he's kind of, like, not even in the top ten. Um, which, I don't know whether that's better than what Red Bull had before. Probably is, ultimately, because I think, ultimately, what they had with Albon is somebody who couldn't finish in the top four, regardless. Um yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think perhaps it's been masked a little bit because he got that win in Baku. Um, he had a good race uh, in Bahrain, didn't he? Where he started from the pit lane and managed to get, <clears throat> I think it was like fifth or something. Um, yeah. So yeah, he's had a couple of good performances. But I feel like if it keeps going a little bit like this, people may start asking a few questions. I think he's he's safe. I think I don't think anyone's gonna, I don't think he's gonna lose his seat. But I think you know, well, not this season. I, I am starting to think... Has he got a one- or a two-year deal? 
Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. Not uh, sure. If, if it's only a one-year deal, I wouldn't be surprised if Helmut Marko's thinking of something else, only because I what they wanted from the second driver is someone who can help with the strategy, not have to mm. do something. At the moment, Verstappen's driving away in the pr- most races, which means that they haven't had to rely on strategy. But <clears throat> yeah. should should Mercedes catch up, I think they're going to need Perez to be a little bit more consistent. Well, yeah, they're back into Or the just be more consistent than Bottas. Yeah, yeah 100%. Um, But to be honest, I... Well, I was going to talk about Hungary, but we are going to talk about Aston Martin first. But oh, in terms of Perez, I think... Uh, yeah, looking for consistency. Because if not, they... I mean, I don't think anyone's going to forget that they've still got Pierre Gasly sat in the sister 100%. team. Yeah, yeah. The George Russell isn't a Mercedes driver. He is a Williams driver. Yeah. And, yeah, there's there's options out there. Who knows? Nico Hulkenberg. Bring back the Hulk. Hulkenberg. <laughs> um, <Yes. laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, finally, then, before we uh, look a little bit forward to, uh, to Hungary... Um, Aston Martin, formerly the um, pink Mercedes, and I'm now rephrasing them the green Williams. Maybe a little bit bit harsh. Um, But yeah, another tough weekend for them. Um, Stroll finished eighth, Vettel with a a dump. Um, I don't know, I feel like Aston Martin haven't really kicked on from last season as they would have hoped. Well, to be honest, what were they going to kick on from? Like, in a sense... (laughs) I try, I'm trying to think of a good analogy for it, but it's well. Let's think of let's think of one on the sea. It's the equivalent of buying a really high grade high grade boat from Mercedes and not having any sailors who know how to operate it or upgrade it or maintain it. And now it's like, well, you've still just got that same boat, but you're not doing anything Ooh. with it and you don't know how to maintain it. That's, That's you know deep, what I mean. It's, it's just going. You're right though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they don't know what they, I'm not going to say they don't know what they're doing because some weekends they have a great one, particularly mm. when it comes to strategy. But by and large, they're just yeah, they're a bit of a non-starter this season. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's perhaps drastic as well in that you know, like they they were a few races, particularly last. Well, maybe not necessarily races, but in terms of qualifying, there were a few where they outperformed Mercedes and they were a few where even if they didn't outperform Mercedes they gave them a bit of a scare and made them have to really yeah. pull out a very quick time to take pole um, and you know they did get a couple of podiums as well you know so um, but yeah they just really haven't I guess when I say kicked on I just mean in terms of um, results they, they you know they, they, they've well very much gone backwards I mean when I was writing these notes I was kind of thinking was doing what they did last season worth it? Yeah. Because... I yeah? think it was. I, I think yeah. the costs... Well, I don't think the parts they bought from Mercedes were that expensive. <clears throat> it was just no. the pure fact that they did buy the parts <clears throat> from Mercedes and nobody else <clears throat> was smart enough to buy them before the uh, <clears throat> new rules came in, which said you can't buy those parts anymore came in. Um, but, yeah, so it was worth it on that element because they must have got a load of money for that and it's just, you know... <clears throat> made them a little bit more financially stable. But to be fair, they were well, always going to be with Lawrence Stroll, weren't they? <laughs> I mean, I guess you could also argue that had they not performed the way they did last season, they wouldn't have got Sebastian Vettel in their car. I mean, Perhaps. let's be fair, before last season, if you'd have said that at the start of next season, Sebastian Vettel is going to be racing for racing point, now Aston Martin, obviously, mm-hmm. you'd have gone, why? Like, <laughs> he's a four-time world champion. Why is he going to racing point? As in... 
not necessarily a financially brilliant team, not a team that you look at and go, yeah, in a couple of years' time they could have a contending car. Um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see whether perhaps they really make the benefits in the next set of regulations. Perhaps they've kept resources back to kind of really kick off, as in the resources they would have gained from finishing mm. well last year. Perhaps like they, they could be held that back. They could be doing a Haas, but obviously yeah, the base level's the reach extent. is much different, so yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't notice how much they're doing a Haas uh, this mm. season. But, yeah, and I mean, it's obviously yeah. worth considering as well that the regulations seem to have impacted, because they made a slight regulation change, didn't they? They seem to have impacted the Mercedes cars, when I say Mercedes, Mercedes themselves and the Aston Martin, because it was... Well, the high-rake cars. I don't know if having a Mercedes engine needs to do the... Or low-rake, rather. I don't low know if whether yeah, having yeah. the uh, Mercedes engine needs to yeah. be low-rake, but, but, yeah, but as in just, everyone just who's got a Mercedes seems to yeah. be low-rake. Well, just, just purely from the point of view that um, Aston Martin's car last season was effectively a Mercedes of the season before. So yeah. if it's going to affect Mercedes this season, it's going to affect Aston Martin. So that is a factor. But as in, ultimately, like when you look at Mercedes as in actual Mercedes, they seem to have not recovered all that pace, but they seem to have dealt with it a lot better than Aston Martin have. But then mm. I guess that's what happens when you buy part in and you buy a concept rather than developing it yourself because you know how it works and how to resolve issues. Um, so, yeah, I think Aston Martin... Uh, struggling a little bit i think they're gonna have to hope for a good season next season mm-hmm. um going on from this race then we're in hungary next um i don't know about you i'm i love hungary as a circuit i think it's brilliant um what are your thoughts after this race going into that next one we haven't got any notes here really so i guess it's just going to be uh gut instinct. Off the cuff. well to gut be instinct, honest yeah. hungary has been described as monaco without the streets it's yeah, a very it's windy it. circuit. It does have a straight, so there is obviously that, which is different. Mm. But by and large, this is going to favour the cars that were good in Monaco, I think. Don't be surprised to see the Ferraris up there. Don't be surprised to see Red Bull properly drive away with it again. Um, and to, Well, I was going to say, don't be surprised to see Aston Martin do something. But I, that was all strategy last time. Uh, nothing else but that. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, if you were you good think, in Monaco, uh, you could be good in Hungary. Do you think we could see some more uh, fisty cuts? Possibly. Turn one is mm. almost a U-turn, and then you mm. can drive somebody off the track quite easily. <laughs> Obviously, you're not going to see it to the same extent because I mean, the collision in the British Grand Prix was on pretty fastest much the fastest the corner yeah. of the calendar even. Um, so this is mm. slower pace. You can still see the fisty cuffs, and I th- I think we have seen it so far, but so far it's only been in low-speed corners or well, medium and speed. Well, I feel... I feel like this is very much... I know this has been said so many times and it's very cliche, but I do think the gloves are off now. Yeah. Um, to to be honest, now, if if Hamilton is involved in an inst- Well, I was going to say involved in an incident with Verstappen. If them two come together and Hamilton is the beneficiary again, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of discussion as to... is Not is he being reckless, but is... Uh, is he being safe, in a sense? Is he driving in a manner which is allowing the other person mm. to do what they want to, or is he taking too many risks, but dangerous risks? But, mm. Yeah, I'd just be interested to see if it happens again. I mean, mm. if I was thinking of a corner, I don't know if you could do the track in your head, but I got turn one, two, three, four, turn five. I don't think you do that in your head. 
the no, the left hand of the speedy one. Oh yeah, yeah. After tight. the chicane. E... Right, so you do the U turn. You go straight, then you do the left hand, uh, right hand uh, up the hill, left, well, and then you no, go no. kind of sweeping right. You do the U turn. You got a left hand. Uh, you got another left hander, then a right hander, then you're up the hill. Mm-hmm. At the top of that hill, I wouldn't be surprised to see two people go because that, even yeah, though it's yeah, yeah. Uh, it's got an undulation, but that's a fast corner way of seeing things happening. Someone could spin off. There's there's a that's one of those ones as well where because of the way, like you said, because of the undulation. Excuse me. When you get to the top, yeah, you don't know it can be quite unstable, and then you've also got a lot of runoff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I yeah, wouldn't be surprised. I think there could and, be contact there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I th- th- there seems to have been. Um, Last season, from what I remember, there seems to be a lot of overtaking on that kind of... After you've done the U-turn at the start, you kind of go down the hill a little bit and then you go left, yeah. don't you? Yeah. Around that kind of left turn, like drivers were so, very much yeah. finding different lines and different angles to kind of come at the corner. So I think that could be a, a strong overtaking position. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. who knows? Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, the fact that it's straight after is in terms of the uh, Hamilton-Verstappen battle, I think perhaps if there'd been a couple of weeks break to kind of have it cool off and... Is there one week break? Yeah, we're straight into the next one now. Oh, I I thought there was a gap of at least a week. Well, maybe there is. Do you know what? I I may be lying there. Let me have a look. Uh, you, you may well be right from I only know this because we 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 race together on the Formula One, so I, I'm pretty clued in as to when they are and I thought yeah, there's a fourteen day gap between them. Yeah, there is there is a week is gap. Is there? Okay. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's still it'll still be fresh, but after that it is the summer break. So there'll be a is big it? yeah, big gap between that race and the one after it. Which would be a shame. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Yeah, that, but, that uh, is a shame because so what's after I haven't got a clue. Oh, what's my after word. After, after that, it's like a month. Yeah, well, it's the summer break. As but uh, but it is Spa. That's not a yeah. bad one to wait for. To oh, to be fair, Spa, Zandvoort, Monza. Oh, what a tasty trio. What <laughs> a tasty trio. And on that <laughs> note, that brings us to the end of this podcast. Oh, that's a triple header. Oh. Sorry, that is a triple header as well. Gosh. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> All the more reason to tune into the Down to the Wire podcast. Um, I'm not sure what we'll talk about next week. Do you know what? I reckon, depending... Oh, saying that. Oh, no, we we could do. We could do a Cheeky Lions one. Yeah, I know you've hinted Just... at it. I'm happy to do that. Because, well, the, although saying it is, that... It is, yeah, there's nothing else on. But there isn't much else on. Just keep your eyes peeled. Um, if you're a regular listening to the Down to the Wire podcast, thanks for listening, first of all. We do appreciate it. Um... As usual, if you're listening on Spotify or uh, YouTube, why not follow and subscribe relative to the platform you're listening on? Um, we're also on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts. Have I said Anchor? Maybe. I don't know. Um, <laughs> all of the usual ones. If um, you just type it in, you'll find us. <laughs> if you find us, yeah. Just look for the yellow shield. Um, Jack, pleasure as always. Gracias. And we shall speak to you soon.